Greetings, and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 8.20 a.m. across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send questions, comments, feedback, or guest suggestions to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Will Seldon with VHHA, and today we are delighted to be joined by Dr. Anoop Gangavali, a spine surgeon affiliated with HCA of Virginia's Param Doctors Hospital. He joins us for a conversation about his work using an exciting new surgical technology and much more. But first, welcome to the show, Dr. Gangavali. Thanks so much for being with us. Happy to be here. Great. Well, I want to start by getting to know you a little bit better. We introduced you as a spinal surgeon, but I'd be interested to hear about your path to that specialty, as well as I, I read that in your free time, one of your passions is vintage motorcycle restoration. So if you would, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, I think my uh, my path, much like uh, several people in undergrad, I loved biology. Both of my parents uh, had, a, had a deep background in biology and the biological sciences. My dad was a cancer scientist. And, uh, you know, and so my love kind of grew through college. Ultimately, uh, I went to medical school. Several doctors in the family closely worked with me through that process and inspired me to uh, go into medicine. And, uh, you know, through the way, my dad developed some back issues um, and he had to have some spinal surgery. At a time where I was still a young medical student, I didn't fully comprehend, you know, what he needed and and how he had to go through his uh, treatment process and diagnostics. But ultimately, I saw the before and after kind of as a layperson, and it was remarkable the results that he got. He went from someone who was constantly in pain and had radiating pains down his legs to someone who could hit a tennis ball again with, uh, with some quite authority. And so he enjoyed several years of return to function. And so that was something that was quite inspiring. Ultimately, you know, I do have some hobbies in the mechanical aspect of things and uh, repairing old motorcycles. And so that kind of turned my gaze towards the orthopedic sciences because that's more uh, mechanical. And ultimately, I landed in the arena of spine surgery, reconstructive spine surgery, and minimally invasive techniques to get the spine back in order and functional as possible. And I've uh, enjoyed a career so far for the past several years and uh, found my way to Richmond, and and I'm happy to uh, offer those services to our communities. That's awesome. I love that transition, motorcycle repair to spine surgery. Those are two great great hobbies, (laughs) pastimes, vocations, you might say. Yeah. So for the listener, one of the reasons we booked Dr. Gangavali is to discuss this technology, augmented reality, as an approach to spinal surgery. My layman's understanding, and it is very much a layman's understanding, of this technique is that it enables surgeons using the special equipment to see sort of like a 3D image of a patient's spine through their skin as a visual aid to facilitate these minimally invasive surgical procedures that you talked about. So with that very, very basic overview, can you just give us a little bit more detail about that procedure and how it works? Absolutely. So, I mean, spine surgery has been around for a long time. The most traditional approaches, you know, for spine surgery typically involves trying to reinforce the structure of the spine so it can hold the weight of the person in a more comfortable way. Sometimes uh, the spine can develop arthritis in ways that create significant amounts of pain for with activities of daily living. Also, the spine can collapse on itself, pinching the nerves uh, and other important structures around the spine. Uh, in a way that causes nerve dysfunction, difficulty walking, et cetera. The old way and the traditional way that we've come 
you know, a long, long way from is to open the spine and expose it wide open, make a long incision, move all the muscles and ligaments aside and kind of look at the spine and then come up with ways to stabilize it. This proved to be not only a time-consuming process under anesthesia, there was significant blood loss, uh, the accuracy of uh, putting implants into the spine to stabilize it, such as screws and rods, uh, was heavily dependent on a somewhat older technology of traditional x-rays. But we've come a long way. And, you know, despite how successful those are, it's still the crux and mainstay of how most of the country and most of the world does spine surgery. However, you know, if we are to take advantage of the, the new advancements in imaging technology and with technology, which we call in, in our spine surgery world, navigation, uh, we can use live x-ray or three-dimensional x-ray machines to take a three-dimensional picture of the spine as the patient is laying still on the operating bed. And what the technology allows us to do, it projects a three-dimensional image of the spine into a headset or an eyepiece that we wear over our glasses, and it creates an overlay of the patient's spine on top of their skin. So without having to do an incision at all, I already know where the patient's problems are, where the arthritis is, where the deformity is, and where the failure points of the spine are. So that way I can more accurately and reproducibly and safely put in whatever implants or stabilize the spine in whichever way I need to without even having to make an incision. Ultimately, when we do have to put the implants in, our incisions end up being more accurate, smaller, and more appropriate to what the patient needs because the surgery is less of an exploratory surgery because now we already have an overlay. We already have a picture of what the spine needs to be and what my plan would be. And so this technology has brought us a long way in ensuring accuracy and you know, diminishing our footprint, having a smaller surgical footprint and smaller surgical burden on, uh, on patients. That is quite miraculous. From what I gather, this is a technology that debuted in the late 90s as a virtual tool and has since evolved and advanced. And it sounds like more widespread adoption of this approach has really expanded in the last five years or so. So from a practical perspective, you as a surgeon, what's the process been like for you and others working in this field to get acclimated to this you know, technology-assisted approach? So for me, it was quite a natural progression you know, through residency. As you know, to become a spine surgeon, you have to go through uh, several training programs and several layers of you know, familiarization with the anatomy uh, and the various technologies available to fix the spine. Throughout residency, we were exposed to the fledgling iterations or versions of navigation. And as we progressed into fellowship and early into practice, we became well-versed, you know, at least in my training program uh, where I trained at Cleveland Clinic, we were very frequently using 3D CT-guided navigation techniques to place implants into very complex spinal issues. And, you know, we used it for reproducibility and the measure of safety. So for me, throughout my training and into practice, it became a seamless transition. Again, several programs in the country, several physicians in the country still do it the traditional way with plain x-ray, uh, where they can identify uh, the area and plan their implantation or plan their surgical steps using x-ray. But for those of us that are familiar with this technology, uh, we leverage it, you know, to use for our patients who have you know, not so straightforward problems, or if we need a, a high degree of accuracy, uh, sometimes we operate around the spinal cord and uh, some very congested spinal nerves. And in that situation, uh, millimeters matter. 
And so for that high degree of accuracy, and you, you know you can't miss, you get one chance sometimes, you got to have uh, the right tools and uh, something that's very reproducible and that you trust. And again, even in this arena, there are several companies, several iterations of this. Uh, we're currently optimizing a system that is working very well for us. Now, I've had a very good success rate, very good uh, reproducibility, and I'm happy to uh, happy to bring that to uh, to Richmond. You know, I'm happy with the with the new system that we're provided uh, at the at the hospitals regionally. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on the patients there really briefly. You've called this technology a game changer. So I wonder if you could tell us what you mean by that in terms of the specific benefits for patients related to outcomes or reduced post-op recovery times. And then also, I wonder if you could touch on the type of patient that is a candidate for this kind of technology-assisted surgery. Absolutely. So I think it's a game changer in the sense that if we are trying to pursue minimally invasive surgery, which some patients are certainly candidates for, if we're trying to pursue minimally invasive surgery, our goal is to have as, is to impart the smallest surgical burden to the patient. And with that, we have a very small footprint. Our incisions are smaller. Our, uh, and so the amount of disruption of the natural skin muscle connective tissue is less. The surgical recovery is also significantly less, which means by using these technologies, if we're able to minimize our footprint on the patient, they have less pain, they have a quicker recovery, and studies even show that their hospitalization stays are shortened significantly. And so using this navigation technology to appropriately place implants reproducibly stabilizes spine. It, it's, it's definitely a great uh, tool uh, for us to have in our toolkit. Uh, in terms of usage uh, of the technology, uh, there's a wide variety of patients that can benefit from this technology, not only minimally invasive surgery. For small problems of the spine, sometimes we can get away with doing very small surgeries, very targeted treatments. However, some patients have more advanced and more multi-level, complex, wide-spanning problems. And for those patients, they still need a more comprehensive deformity correction. For example, patients with scoliosis or patients with severe fractures or patients with tumor or different types of bone issues or severe arthritis, those patients may need a spinal correction. And patients come in all different shapes and sizes. And so the technology allows us to custom make the constructs and custom size every single screw for the correct patient. So everything would be bespoke for that patient live aided by the imaging technology. For example, if there are five bones in the lumbar spine that need to be fixed together, in that same patient, the left and right side of the same bone may have different sizes. And we would never know unless we had an intraoperative CAT scan using this technology. Sometimes, you know, it, it, it's possible to put the same size screw in two different size bones, when in reality, maybe, the, uh, maybe perhaps a, a better way to do it would be a more custom uh, design. So you upsize or downsize the implants based on what the patient's anatomy is, based on what the patient requires. So it allows us to custom, custom make the solution for the patient's spine problems. And so I think that's a great change for us uh, to be able to provide that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to sort of tie a bow on this, we're in a period of continuing technological advancement that's changing a lot of different industries, including healthcare. As a clinician working in a field that relies on technology, I wonder what your thoughts or observations are on the potential next iteration or next generations of medical innovations and their prospects for advancing healthcare, just sort of generally. Absolutely. I think uh, right now the, the technology 
uh, works very well. Obviously, any technology as we move forward, uh, we look for improved safety, we look for reproducibility, and we look for speed. Because uh, as much as we need safety and accuracy, we also need speed because we can't spend inordinate amounts of time keeping patients under anesthesia. So as long as we're able to very efficiently do our job and move along the steps of the surgery to get the patient the best safe outcome, we can always have room to optimize the steps. The technology is very good. Uh, obviously, things can get smaller and more compact, more ergonomic. But those are things that, uh, you know, through, through the various changes in the eras of medicine, uh, we've seen these steps uh, progressively improve. As surgeons who are in the industry, it behooves all surgeons to, uh, you know, stay closely abreast with the latest changes and embrace those changes because ultimately it, it can translate to the best outcomes for our patients. So, you know, we all like to stay, um, you know, up to date with the technology and, and trial things. And it's, it's a constant evolving and learning process uh, for all of us. And that's part of the joy of being a spine surgeon and bringing new technology to, to help our patients in the best way that we can. Thanks so much for sharing all that with us. Before I let you go, it's tradition on this podcast to ask our guests a few sort of fun questions to close things out. So if you'll indulge us, I have a list of 10 mystery questions that we can draw from. So when you're ready, give me uh, two numbers from 1 to 10, and I'll read you those corresponding questions. Uh, let's try 6 and 7. All righty. Number 6. In the hypothetical scenario that you have one-time access to a time machine with limits, you can either travel 100 years into the past or 100 years into the future. Which direction do you choose and why? Uh, that's a great question. I think I think the future is always exciting. Um, although I, you know, I'm, I'm very, I've had a great, uh, great past. I've enjoyed watching my two daughters grow up. Uh, I would love to do that again. Uh, but the future, I think, uh, is where you know that's the most exciting thing in medicine, in humanity. The world's changing. You know, I don't want to. I'm I'm rather enjoying the present. Uh, I'm in no rush to be in the future. But it's all, it always kind of tickles my fancy to see where, where, where we're going to end up as a, you know, as a, as a community, as a race, uh, as a civilization. So uh, I don't want to have a spoiler, but maybe the future. Going for the future? Yeah, I'm with you. Maybe you'll be a spine surgeon on Mars 100 years in the future. Okay, number seven. If you could choose one superpower to have or any one skill to instantly master, what would it be and why? Superpower to have. I think... If there was such a thing as taking away someone's pain and mm, suffering. I like that. I think if that was a superpower and I had indiscriminate use of that, I don't think people would have much to argue about, fight about, or be upset about if you could take away pain and suffering. Uh, um, you know, be that from the body or emotional or whatever other, uh, you know, form it takes. Wow. Uh, wouldn't that be something? That is profound. I love that answer. We should write a, a comic book series with that character <laughs> that would be cool i think i'd like to fly too but uh yeah yeah know, might flying, get... flying would be nice but i think that taking away people's pain and suffering is a little bit more uh noble yeah. perhaps anyway uh those are two great answers and with that we've come to the close of another episode of the virginia hospital and healthcare association's patients come first podcast if you liked what you heard please make sure to leave us a five-star review on apple podcast and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released we want to once again thank our guest, Dr. Anoop Gangavali, for joining us today. So thanks so much. It's been a real pleasure. Pleasure's fine. Take care.